Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Hoops Habit Podcast. I am your host, Michael Duggar, and as of I'm recording this, Monday, October 8th, we are eight days away from the tip-off of the NBA season, and it's coming quickly. It's been an exciting offseason. There's a lot of intrigue with every team, so in the NBA, pretty much, you can make a case to watch them for a couple games and be intrigued with them and excited by them. Me personally, I'll probably be watching every team multiple times outside of maybe one or two teams, but I'm not going to go into them. But um, And we have a lot of podcasts coming up in the next couple weeks. I'm going to be finishing my divisional preview today and probably release one middle of the week and then going to have a Western Conference and Eastern Conference preview with some predictions with some guests. And then after that, I'm going to get rolling each week with a guest probably do a little bit alone. Then I have a guest on to talk about the biggest storyline of the week. You know, it'll be team related, conference related and stuff like that to go from there. But we're going to continue our divisional preview with probably the deepest division in all basketball. And that's the Northwest of the Western conference. And you look at the Western conference playoff picture last year. And this, they made up half the field. They made it the three, four, five and eight seeds respectively. And they had a team, the team that finished in ninth place right outside of the playoffs. So we'll start at the top of the division with the Portland Trailblazers, who finished 49-33 last year. And a team that's been hamstrung by the cap continues to be limited in the moves they can make. You know, they brought, I'm looking at the, who they brought in. They brought in Seth Curry. Um, Seth, not Steph. Seth Curry. Nick Stauskas um, drafted. Yeah, it's just. They ran it back, and they lost a, a team favorite in Ed Davis. So I'm looking at this and projecting towards this year. It's gonna a lot of it's gonna fall on Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum to duplicate what they did. Damian Lillard was an All NBA first team All NBA player. Second, I think it was first team. Made the All Star team, of course. Was a top top five, top six MVP vote voter. I mean, got the accumulated the most votes like that. And he had his best career season. And personally speaking, Damian Lillard is my favorite NBA player. So it's tough for me not to root for him a little bit to duplicate this success again. But in a more stacked Western Conference, when you're looking at the whole conference and teams like the Lakers and the Grizzlies are and the Nuggets, who we're going to talk to at the tail end of this podcast, those are three teams that missed the playoffs and improved, whether it's health, free agency, or dra- and through the draft, they probably have better top to bottom rosters. So this all this pretty much all falls on Lillard and McCollum's shoulder shoulders, and because the rest of the roster, you know, Alfred Aminu, he's hit or miss. You know, when he's in the lineup, he's a he's a solid rotational player who plays the four. Wayne Baldwin's a 6'4 point guard, but he's not going to crack the rotation. Him and Seth Curry off the bench. Mo Harkless are going to count on again. Can Zach Collins continue to improve to be a small ball five? Because the thing we saw in the playoff series against the Pelicans is that jo- jo- Joseph Nurkic got run off the floor. When the teams go small, Nurkic can't stay on the floor. And when he can't stay on the floor, you know, he's a post threat, but that takes the ball out of Lillard and McCollum's hands, A, and B, he's always getting in foul trouble when he's going up against these smaller players. So, I mean, 
are Anthony Simmons, who's a 19-year-old project. Nick Stauskas, Evan Turner, Caleb Swanigan. Are these guys all are these guys all good enough players to make to make them stay stagnant at a 49-win team? I don't know. I don't know. I think their best lineup is Lillard, McCollum, Harkless, Aminu, and Zach Collins. And that's counting a lot on a 20-year-old to make that leap defensively because he has his own fouling problems himself. But that lineup has a lot of space and a lot of shooting and a lot of offensive talent. And with the triumvirate of Collins, um, CJ, and Dame. But, I mean, and even in their bench, it's the same thing. Wow, Seth Curry's 28 years old. Wow, I did not know he was that old. Anyway, um, because their bench is pretty much the same thing. It's going to be a very um, scoring-driven. I don't know. I just It's just like a weird mix. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Probably. But I, do I think they're a threat? No. I think this is another team that's going to get in. And I don't want to say get swept. But the other teams in the playoffs offer depends on the matchup everything's about the matchup in the nba so and the pelicans were just a terrible matchup for them i actually wrote i actually did a preview for that series for the hoops admin and i predicted the pelicans to win in six i didn't think it'd be a sweep because i had too much respect for dame but i don't know i don't think this is i don't think this is going to be a pot i don't i think this will be a slight regression to the norm for them and i think I don't know. I don't want to say it was a combination of injury luck around them and teams being in fluster around them that vaulted them to the three seed because Dame Dame played so well. But I don't see this team cracking the top six. I think they're going to be fighting for seven or eight seed. And I think I'm going to have to sit down and do my playoff predictions in a week or two, like later this week. NBA season's in a week, so I'm going to have to knock nail those down. But right now, I'll have him as the eight seed out of respect. And that's as far as I can go with them. And like a couple of these teams, I mean, some of these teams didn't really improve their roster as much. It didn't make that many changes. So it's tough to it's tough to go deep on them because I don't know what I don't know what's changed. So I just talk about their outlook and stuff like that. So if you're new to these little episodes, little they're just 30 minute episodes of me talking pretty much just by myself and just figuring out, talking through them and trying to figure out what, what has changed because not a lot has changed in Portland. So let's move to Oklahoma City. And a little bit has changed. They got rid of Melo, acquired Dennis Schroeder, who provides stability as a backcourt. I like that he can offer some, if Russell Westbrook, who's recovering from knee surgery, I like that um, Westbrook finally has an off-guard partner, a la Reggie Jackson, which didn't really turn out that great. But they brought Schroeder, they brought Timothy Lawal, Cabral, I don't pronounce his name, TLC, the French guard from, the French wing from um, the 76ers. They, yeah, that's pretty much it. Besides that, they re-signed Paul George. Um, Brought back Jeremy Grant. They have a high, they brought in Nerlens Noel, who's listed as a small forward, which probably should be changed. And they 
upgraded in, in athleticism, and they have a very solid, stable back um, backcourt now. But the strength of this team and where this team made their run was when they had their defense was playing phenomenal with Andre Roberson. But Andre Roberson has suffered a setback, and he is now two months away from being reevaluated. And you t- partner that with Russell Westbrook coming off knee surgery. And we don't know how he's going to be for the regular for the first part of the regular season. And this team could get off to a really slow start. I don't know about a start that make that makes them miss the playoffs, but you can't expect this team to be great right away. And they play the Warriors on on ring night. And there's a lot of dynamics I like about this team because they're so strong defensively and they're so big. Westbrook will. I mean, the lineup of Westbrook, Roberson, PG, and then you can go Grant. Or, yeah, Grant with Steven Adams. That's a lot of length and athleticism. And that off, and that, and they could do some stuff offensively. Because Westbrook can just... Westbrook wills his way. PG can create his own shot. Roberson's in it. Grant made some steps forward. So, offensively, the talent may not be there, but... Their defense can swarm and suffocate opponents, I feel like. But man, just going through the quick thing, this division, this division's going to be weird. Because I'm not really in love with this OKC roster. I mentioned I'm not in love at all with the Portland roster because they didn't make any improvements across the board. And we'll get to the other teams, but They're relying a lot on Dennis Schroeder, I feel like, to really spell Russell Westbrook. And I haven't watched much of their preseason games because I don't really take a lot of stock in preseason anyway. Um, I Maybe it's like how teams mesh, but not really the scores and stuff like that. And I don't know. A Schroeder-Westbrook backcourt could be really great or it can implode very quickly. And I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I'm really... Because without Roberson, they're going to go Schroeder, Westbrook, PG, Grant. I know Terrence Ferguson's there, but, I mean, he's still only 20. He can play defense, though. That's the thing. Um, And then then Adams. I mean, Alex Abreens can do little things. There's just, like, the offensive-minded players they want to bring on the court are not strong defensive, are not... There's no, they're just a bunch of one-trick ponies on this team. I feel like you're either really good at offense or you're really good at defense, but you're not really good at the other. If you're good at one, if you catch what I'm saying, stuff like that. Outside of Westbrook, whose defense I don't think is that phenomenal. PG suffered when Roberson wasn't there, and Adams can I mean Adams. Adams is great. Everyone loves Stephen Adams. He's only 25 years old too. So, taking a look at this, I don't know. I don't see the top four seed that everyone sees. I see another like a dangerous. Six. They were the four seed last year. A dangerous like five to seven seed that, when healthy, can be a tough out because that defense is great. But the overwhelming favor in this division is the Utah Jazz, and I see. I know it. it everything makes perfect sense to me. I don't blame. I see. I see why they are the overwhelming favorite because of what we saw last year, and they were the fifth seed, and this team's only going to get better. The roster they didn't they brought everyone back. 
added Grayson Allen, who's like a perfect fit in Utah for what they're trying to do off the bench. He's going to be great running the. I mean, him and Exum as a backcourt off the bench is pretty solid. Um, but we saw we saw them against. We saw what they did against OKC, and then we saw what they did against Houston, but we didn't get to see them. They lost in five to Houston, but we didn't get to see them full tilt at Houston because Ricky Rubio got injured. But Rubio's a great defender. Can knock down some threes, and he's such a great passer and ball handler that... I mean, I feel like people are going to surprisingly pick them to reach... Not surprisingly. I feel like people are going to pick them to reach the Western Conference Finals and really push Golden State this year. Especially if Golden State... I'm not, I'm not going to go to the matchup yet, but anyway. Because if Golden State uses Boogie, then Gobert can stay on the floor. And when Gobert's on the floor, this is a top, this is a top two defense every single year. And Favors can play a little bit on Draymond and stuff like that. Everything matches up with the Warriors. That's what I'm thinking. And But the improvement and next step of Donovan Mitchell is what will is what has everyone ex- excited here. Because he was the best player from the 2018 draft class. If you want to call him not rookie of the year, rookie of the year, I'm not going to get into all that drama. It's He was the best player from the 2018 class. And as a world of improvement to make still. He improves his jump shot. I don't know if there's anyone in the league that can guard him. He's that athletic. He's that quick. He can finish in the rim. Can do. Can pass everything. And he's a great on-ball defender. Um, so Rubio and Mitchell in the backcourt. Once again, like most of these teams, not a lot of changes are made in the offseason. So to me, just talking projecting forward in the future so you look at Exum and Burks and Grayson Allen in the backcourt a lot of defense a lot of length a lot of offensive skill too if you can if because Burks is a is just a, a bucket getter and Grayson Allen can do a little of everything he can shoot he can drive he can pass a lot of things he's an experienced rookie he's older than Donovan Mitchell and Donovan Mitchell came out as a, after a junior Grayson Allen's just a four-year four-year player from Duke um they have a lot of. They have so much experience too. At um, Jay Crowder, um, Royce Dabo Sevalosha, Royce O'Neal looked really good at the end, and he's he's on a one he's on a one point three million dollar contract salary. Like they just plug. They f- are so good at identifying talent, plugging into Quinn Snyder's system, and watching everything work. There's so much. It's such a ba- beautiful ball movement system, and the player that I think ties it all together is Joe Ingles. Who has shot forty four percent on three the past two years? I kind of model my game after myself. I'm a lefty. I can. I like to go inside out. I mean, I'm not, obviously, I'm not six eight, but I mean, he's such a good defender. He's such a, just a good basketball player. A high IQ, makes the right passes, can knock down open jump shots, can drive, can do. He just if he there's things called five tool players in baseball. You can hit, run, throw, field, catch, do all that stuff. And you hit for power, hit for speed. Hit for power, hit for contact, speed, catch, and throw. And that's kind of how I feel about Joe Ingles. Because he can pass. He can defend. He can shoot from the inside. He can drive. He can rebound. He can do everything just a solid basketball player. And I've barely talked about, I've talked a little bit about Rudy Gobert. But him staying healthy for a full season because that's when the Jazz were great last year. He missed a little bit of the time in the middle. Of the end. I don't know if it was an early to middle portion of the season. And then when he came back, the Jazz were the best team in the Western Conference 
for the remainder of that season. So when this team is healthy, and I think this team is better equipped now to handle a Gobert absence because they have Ikpe Udo, another player from Baylor, who went overseas. It was great overseas, and now he's back here. He's in a jumpy athletic center. You have him in favors who can hold on the five, and you have Royce O'Neal. You have Jay Crowder and Joe Ingles who can all handle the four. You have you have wings. I mentioned some of them can go three or four. Cephalosha. I mean, Burks can please six six. He can go up to the three. There's just a. I love this team. This is the top four seed easily. And they're going to be playing some great, exciting basketball in Salt Lake City this year. And uh, everyone's on the Donovan Mitchell bandwagon, rightfully so, because that guy is a joy to watch, and his team is a joy to watch, in my opinion. So we'll go to a team from that's Utah that has their stuff together to a team in Minnesota with the Timberwolves, who I have no idea. I mean, the gang's all back together. Tom Thibodeau is getting closer and closer to completing his Bulls dream. Signed Lou Aldang. They, I kind of like their draft when they drafted Josh Okoji and Keita Bates-Diop, two really good players that fit the modern NBA. Okoji's a 3 and D player. KBD is an advanced scorer. And can play the three or four. Helps their bench, obviously, and stuff like that. They lose um, Nemanja Bicha. Hopefully I pronounced the name right. He's with Sacramento. Um, but this begin- and they, they re-signed Carl Anthony Towns to get got agreed to the Supermax. Um, Wiggins is still there. Jeff Teague is still there. D. Rose is there. Taj Gibson. Tyus Jones. Justin Patton hopefully could take a leap in his second year. Out of Creighton, the big man. Gorgie Dang, they're trying to trade his contract, but everything begins and ends with Jimmy Butler. And this is an extremely weird situation. Is Jimmy Butler really fed up with Cat and his attitude? Is Jimmy Butler trying to control his own Pete? Is he done with is he done with Coach Thibodeau? 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 Whatever. I've heard people call it Thibodeau, Thibodeau, but coach, is you know with that coach? Is that relationship strained? Because him requesting for a trade when a guy who's so motivated by winning would leave the best chance he have to win because looking at the other teams that are trying to trade for him, the Heat, which talks broke down, the Clippers, and the Nets and the Knicks. Yes, you're trying to look forward and get your contract extended, but those teams aren't ready to win. The Timberwolves are ready to win. They were the three seed last year until he got hurt. And they got they lost in the playoffs, but... I don't think Jimmy Butler was healthy for that. So this is a question where they have to look. Jimmy has to look internally and say, do I want to win? Do I really want to win? Do I want to expand my brand? Or do I just want to get to some different different city and get out of the, Minnesota? Because I don't know. It's impossible to have a conversation with the Timberwolves without completely talking about Jimmy Butler. Because I'm waiting on Cat to develop into a top 15 player. Wiggins, everyone bashes, rightfully so, but he's only 23. Maybe this will be the fire that lights him up because him and his brother and him and Jimmy Butler were going out of, like were going out about Steven Jackson, and there was just some typical social media 
conversations that arose from this. And it's just, what is, what, what's the solution? Are the, apparently the Timberwolves are like sabotaging trade talks or asking for the world kitchen sink back, which they should. And if Jimmy Butler doesn't want to report, then he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be losing paychecks, but he's going to be losing, not like paychecks really matter to these guys. I mean, they do, obviously, but, I mean, they're making, like, Butler's contract's $20 million. He's probably making $10 million off endorsements and shoe contracts alone. Um, that's just a guess. Don't hold, me, don't hold that against me if I'm wrong. Um, but this team had a sneaky good offseason. They bring in Anthony Tolliver, who's a stretch four. I already talked about KDB and Akoji a little bit. Like, this team was starting to get, to form and if butler could stay healthy like they draft they brought in players who could help butler get some rest maybe and now nothing and now butler's throwing it all away i don't look at this as a, the timberwolves failing to maximize this year they've had him for a year plus they've had him for a year plus and in terms of choosing jimmy butler a lot of mile, a lot of miles on him at 29 years old, entering last season before free agency. Or Cat, you're gonna choose Cat 99 times out of 100. So I don't fault the Wolves, T Wolves for doing anything. This is completely on Jimmy Butler, and I don't know what the solution is, because unless they get blown away by a trade, he's gonna be on that roster. Will the Timberwolves welcome him back? Probably. Will they, they'll have to throw him, Cat, Wiggins, Thibodeau the owners all in a room and say, hey, let's talk this out. Maybe have get Taj Gibson there and Dang there as some old heads to talk about it because this team is talented. And we saw what this team could do when healthy. And if you believe in not projecting uh, projected, uh, projected improvement of young players, then Cat and Wiggins should both play a little better. And just them stepping up their game, Butler main, Butler maintaining his plateau, and the pieces around them, their bench is deeper. This team could be five or six seed easily, and once again be an extremely tough out. Extremely tough out. Because they have a lot of pieces. You know, Cat and Wiggins got their feet wet last year in the playoffs. That They lost in five. But you look at the matchup problems they have in the half court, you know, they have two guys in Butler and Towns who can get a bucket anytime. Wiggins, I really feel like Wiggins is going to, I don't know if he's going to take a leap offensively, but I think defensively this is a year he's going to come, he's going to realize that he's a, 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 I don't know the word, and he's just an unbelievable athlete, and if he just puts together the focus and the mental side of things, he can be an elite defender in this league. So, this team's like a rem- remain to be seen, and we'll come back and talk to them later. Talk about them more later because who knows what they're going to be? Who knows what they're going to be in a week? Who knows what they're going to be in a month? But until the Jimmy Butler situation gets settled, this team is an enigma. But we conclude the Northwest Division with a little quick conversation about the Denver Nuggets because the Nuggets brought in Isaiah Thomas and Michael Porter Jr. Those are the big signings they brought in. And but the main thing about this team is taking leaps. They brought back Will Barton on a nice contract. Um, signed um, um, 
Nikola Jokic to a Supermax, which kicks in this year. Got Paul Millsap on the books for another two years. And it's all about just people taking leaps. Gary Harris is one of the most underappreciated players in the NBA. Jamal, everyone's expecting Jamal Murray to take. I think the GM survey had him as most improved player. Because he's just a, he's a phenomenal scorer. And if Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, who are a very, very good backcourt, can continue their trajectory along with Jokic, Millsap staying healthy, and then they actually have some wings now with Barton. No, they don't. <laughs> Barton, I don't know if they're going to play Malik Beasley. I really like Trey Lyles, but they have like an influx of one and two guards and then power forwards and big men. I mean, we'll see if anything happens from Michael Porter Jr. I'm hopeful that that guy's healthy because if he's healthy, Nuggets got to steal at pick 14. That's a big if, though. Big if. Isaiah Thomas coming off the bench. Him and Will Barton are going to be competing for shots, which will be a funny, funny thing to watch play out in real life. Um, But, yeah, this is all about Millsap staying healthy. He missed a lot. He had a wrist. I think he had a wrist injury. Wrist or hand injury that caused him to miss a great portion of last season. But when he's in the lineup, you know, everything that they want is envisioned offensively. Millsap Jokic, one of the best passing front courts in the NBA, can both shoot, can both post up. And you have Murray and Gary Harris and Will Barton and all these people who are running off screens and capable of creating their own shot. It's just so much offensive movement and so much offensive talent that they can overwhelm you. But their big questions come defensively. Jokic is not a good defender. Jamal Murray hasn't shown me anything defensively. Gary Harris, very good defender. Millsap is a very good defender, but he's up. He's getting up the age. He's 33 years old. Will Barton, he's 6'6", not known for his defensive prowess. So Isaiah Thomas off the bench, come on now. We know that he gets targeted all the time. So I'm not sure how this team... I'm a defensive guy. I love offense, but the way to stop it is good defense. So... How Denver's always been good is honestly they just run and gun you and that altitude gets to you. A lot of teams come on from back-to-backs. You know, they travel cross-country and they're not used to that altitude. But this team's going to be exciting offensively again. I mean, they're, they're, they're starving for a playoff appearance here. They have, they've invested a lot of money to get a playoff, to get a playoff appearance, and that hasn't happened. In, I think, since Iguodala left in like 2013, 2014, when he went to the Golden State. Yeah, 2013, I think. So, yeah. It's proje- it's just one of those cases where they brought everyone back. Can all these young players continue to improve? Like even Trey Miles, Trey Lyles, or Juan Hernan Gomez. Can these players take a leap? I'm not sure. But I think... This is one of those wait-and-see teams. Like, if I watch a month, a month and a half, like, it's early December, and I see Murray dropping 22 with solid defense. And if these, if they're a top 15 defensive team, I feel like they will. Let me check real quick. Let me check real quick. Give me two seconds. 
Neptune. Team defense. I don't know why they go to preseason all the time. Regular season. Where's just regular points per game? Is that too hard to ask? Nope. I'm still not there. Oh, opponent. There we go. And then it changes back to preseason. Sorry for this. Maybe I should have this prepared, but I just kind of go with my soliloquy. Opponent points. Denver finished 22nd in points allowed at 108.5. If they're a top 20 defense, top 18 defense, then make the playoffs. It's that simple. So that's pretty much the just of the Nuggets and just of this division. So a lot of a lot of these teams staying the course and not making a lot of moves this offseason. Like none of the big offseason moves happen here besides maybe the Thunders re-signing Paul George and now Jimmy Butler's trade, trade saga. But we, that's not concluded at all. So, that will conclude the Northwest Divisional Preview, Summer Review, slash Quick Preview, and stuff like that. And I'll be back in a... I'll try to get done tomorrow, within the next day or two, to wrap up the Divisional Previews, talk about the Pacific, which has the two most talked about NBA teams by far. And we'll get to them. But everyone, thanks for checking it out. As always, check out HoopsHabit.com. Check out our writing. You know, this po- I'm going to try to get this podcast going and see where it goes like that. Maybe try to get more guests and stuff like that. But just stay back. Hoopshabit.com. A lot of, a lot of hardworking writers over there. And um, thanks, guys. Have a good one.